welcome to the Key Chargers, a Keyforge podcast focusing on competitive play from the members of the Keyforge team, the Key Chargers. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Key Chargers. This is uh, episode nine of season two of the Key Chargers. We're focusing in on our competitive side a little bit and uh, going into helping with vault tours. And as always, I am joined by my compadres, Justin. Hello. And Sean. Hey, guys. Hey, and I'm Neil, and uh, we're off and rocking, I guess. This week, we're going to go back to our deck of the week. I know we kind of gave it a little props that we were going to have some fun talking about this deck. And um, and I, I don't know about you guys. If, well, Sean, uh, Justin, I don't know if you've had the, the lovely pleasure of playing against this deck, but I know me and Sean have. Um, you guys can all take a look at it down below in the notes. Uh, but it's uh, called the Median Regulator. Um, this deck is uh, owned by my son, Chris. Uh, this Star Alliance Untamed. Um, so it does have one of the new houses. It is Worlds Collide, obviously. And uh, I don't know, what do you guys think? Well, let's go ahead and start talking about it and let me shut up well, for a minute. I've, uh, I've personally played against it and played with it on an adaptive match. And really what stands out more than anything is the Double Kirby double Kirby's blaster and then he the the triple infernits and and double exhum uh is just it's gross and what what's funny about this deck is uh we all went to the vault tour in albany and we on the on the way home we were talking about hey let's get like a triple infernus or double infernus double exhum double Kirby's blaster double Kirby uh blah 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 you know all this we we're talking about it on the way back from Albany, the Albany Vault Tour, and then probably within the next two weeks or a month, uh, Chris, which is Nil's son, actually opened this deck up, which is pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we yeah I played against it in an adaptive match, and um, it's just gross. Like the the deck is gross. There's it, like if there's a weak spot to it, it's the Untamed. But me personally, I don't. I think it's hard to to lose uh, with this deck. Like it's hard to beat it. Yeah, you're gonna have to do some special stuff to beat this deck. I mean, it's it's uh, this and, and Star Alliance are your you're right, Sean are like the houses out of this deck. Uh, Untamed is is right, probably the quote unquote weakest house. But I mean, it's got a terrific opener in Taliga. Um, it's got fog bank to stop fighting. It's got grasping vines to deal with artifacts. Um, even uh, unnatural selection uh, can trim the board. So there's, I mean, there's still utility in that house. But uh, in addition to double Kirby, double Kirby's blaster, it's got transporter platform. It's got science officer Morpheus, which is going to trigger Kirby twice. It's going to trigger Infernus twice. Um, it's going to trigger walls twice so if you lose your blasters and you can uh get walls out you can get them both back um and then transporter platform just even more disgusting because it it allows you to to draw i don't know we were talking about perfect we're talking about perfect situation here but if you have both kirby's out and both kirby blasters in hand um, there's just so much you can draw off of just that. 
Um, and it just the Kirby's themselves and just bouncing them uh, back and forth becomes really disgusting. Right. And, and uh, another, another key part of this too, is the color of subordination in this, especially if you're playing against other star Alliance, because it happened to me, it, you know, he would call her my Kirby <laughs> and then I would kill that Kirby. And then he would just play, uh, walls and get the collar back and collar another Star Alliance creature, which is pretty gross. Yeah, yeah, there's so much you could do with it. Yeah, I mean, the first time I played against this deck was the night that he opened it in a, it was in a sealed at a local game store. You know, and I'd already kind of heard that I mean, he, he opened it and was already, you know, ooing and aahing and then as he played that night, I mean, he was pretty much untouchable in a sealed with this thing. I played against him in the third round. We were both 2-0. And I mean, it was 3-0, and I think I had two Amber. Um, and the, that night, what I remember the most, it's the first time I saw it happen with this deck. And um, we'll get into some of the online stuff that's happened with this deck as well. But um, whenever he went um, Exhum, Morpheus, and Furnace, and Furnace, and Furnace. And I was, you know, and I was halfway through my deck, you know, and I was at like eight or nine Amber. And I was just like, really? <laughs> Like, really? Like, that's just so gross when 12 cards just go away and you won't go from eight. I can't remember if it was eight or nine. I went from there to zero. Yeah, I was about to finally make a key. And they just, you're just like, okay, like, now what do I do? And then the next turn, he already had Transporter Platform out and he goes Kirby Blaster Blaster, draws into the other Kirby, bounces it. And, you know, you're just like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm not quite sure what you do at that point. So, uh, looking at the disc also, Neil, the uh, um, Harbinger of Doom seems like a almost a wasted card in here. I I guess it would be okay on those those matchups where you know your opponent just controls board and then you get that out real quick for a for a board wipe. But man, Adoram does so much work in this deck too. Well, the fact it, that it's so many disc creatures, right? Like it actually. And you, know, you think like, well, man, but, you know, Edoram, you're going to end up killing a lot of your own disc creatures. Yeah, but there's so many times where you can just take your disc creatures and run them into stuff and get that countdown, um, you know, plus kill the Inspector and purge something else. You know, you get that countdown of your disc creatures to where you can just start targeting other creatures on the other side of the board with it. Um, you know, it, it, and of course, if anybody else is playing disc, it makes it just that much worse. So, um yeah, I mean, if you guys, I mean, you know, if people click on the notes below and you go take a look, I mean, this thing's been played on the Crucible 91 times as far <laughs> as actual ranked games. The vast majority are by a couple of guys overseas because they've been in contact with my son trying to buy the deck for, to be honest, way too little. Uh, mostly wanting to trade. Um, I don't, I'm not, you know, I told my son, you know, it, it'd have to be pretty close to four digits to get rid of this deck because I don't think there's too many like it. Um, but you know, I've played the deck about 30 times online and that's, that's not every, I mean, one of the computers that I play on pretty regularly, um, I'll just say I'm firewall blocked from putting the crucible tracker on there. Um, if everybody can read into where I'm playing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so a couple of times when I play on there, it didn't get to get tracked. I've played this deck 50 or 60 times, I think. And, and, um, I mean, there's there's so many disgusting plays. I mean, you know, you can easily jump your amber because of the seven amber pips and the transporter platform and Star Alliance. Um, you can, and because there's four, you know, 
um, upgrades. There's, it's easy to take your amber up to some stupid number to where it graft and, uh, you know, uh, too much protect can really get you. But with stealth mode, it's such a protection card in this deck. It protects you from so much. And to sit there and just cycle through, and of course, if Spears lives, it makes it even worse because you draw, you know, a bazillion cards and you reap with Spears and you turn around and just, you know, chunk everything you don't want to play and turn around and just keep Amber Pips. Um, I mean, it just, the, the deck is just, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty freaking smooth. So, and yes, I will agree with you, Sean. In the times I've played the deck, uh, Harbinger is basically a discard 95% of the time. Right, because okay. unnatural selection does the work that you need. Yeah. Um, in this deck, you don't really, and because you're going to cycle so fast if it gets moving. Um, we can all win is fantastic in this deck, by the way, too. So, oh, yeah, it's really, really good. I'm thinking, like looking at the untamed. You know, the harmonias are good too if they got a little bit of board going on for you. But to me, I would like just to get rid of one of those harmonias or or maybe Molfin or Mushroom, I don't I don't care, but get like a key cheat in there and oh. this would be unstoppable then, really. <laughs> now, Nature's Call and or Key Cheat, I mean those two would make this deck perfect, I think. Yep. And I think you could you could easily dump um one of the harmonias. Um Molfin's okay. Um although, you know, nowadays if you're playing other worlds collide, steel isn't as prevalent or matters as much, but um, Mushroom Man, as neat as he is to have the legacy in there, he, unless you get him out like first or second turn or something, he doesn't do a lot for this deck. Taliga first turn, Justin, I know you mentioned it, is amazing in this deck. Um, and to protect the Kirbys, the best thing you can do is to hopefully draw with the blasters into stealth mode and fog bank, and it's almost impossible to get him off the board then. So. I'm just looking at the list right now, too, but just looking at Song of the Wild with Kirby is crazy good if you got a board out, too. Really, any 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 action with Kirby out there is is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there's and and the one thing to remember in this deck is a lot of times people target the Kirby's, they ignore the walls. Man, if you can get walls and you have Morpheus and you start returning multiples and you get back into walls blaster, I've definitely won games where I just stun the board repeatedly with transporter platform until there's nothing on their turn to do besides play something out in hand. But because Worlds Collide can be so... This is really good against Worlds Collide and AOA because they're so creature-centric. That stunning by playing Walls Blaster is the second or third upgrade or possibly fourth. And then Transporter Platforming and doing it again, you just stun the board. Um, you stun their board and there's nothing they can do. Um, it locks them up pretty well, too. So there's, there's a lot of fun interactions in this deck. We will be back. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're going to get into our main segment again. Um, as I <laughs> did not hit start recording the first time, um, and I'll just uh, jump on my sword right now. So if it sounds like we've talked about this a few minutes ago, it's because we talked about this a few minutes ago. I don't, I don't remember what I said the first time. <laughs> yeah, I don't jump. i got to repeat um, it. So we're talking about Archon Survival tonight. Um, I know we've all played in at least one of these Vault Tours. I think uh, one, one, and then I've played in the three that have been available in the U.S. Um, uh, so, uh, Justin, you want to fire us away here? Sure. So the first thing that uh, when we're talking about survival, and I guess let me just start out by saying that 
uh, survival is probably my most favorite format for vault tours. I was, and it just so happened that it was my first vault tour in Denver. Uh, and so, uh, I just want to start out by saying that the, but the first thing you definitely want to look at is your three decks that you have. And we mentioned it week in and week out. And as we, we've talked about each format, uh, you want to know your decks. You want to know what they can do, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. You want to have a lot of time with them. And and this is, it can be a daunting task because it's three decks. And so that takes a lot of time to go through and play with each one a lot. But if you want to prepare yourself or be put yourself in the best position for success and survival and in triad you want to play those as much as you can and uh and so the next thing that you want to look at is what order you play them in and i know that there's a lot of debate and a lot of of you know where where do you put your best deck uh do you put it first do you put second do you put it third um and i think a lot of that depends on what they what they do with the survival tournament because we've had a couple of different uh areas of survival uh whereas in denver uh whatever deck that you ended day one with if you had made day two that was the deck that you took into day two and so you have people that were conceding games in their fifth and sixth rounds because they wanted to get to their last deck because that's where they had put their best deck um and then in Albany, I believe it was different. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, yeah that, that I think it was just a special one-off, right? I think Sean, right? Didn't you hear in Fort Worth something? Yeah, yeah, in Fort Worth uh, when I was when I was there, because they were talking about the Alameda survival. Uh, they were going to switch it back to where you had to go. Um, Yeti Yeti allowed us in Albany first off to. Uh, uh, select any of the decks you had remaining that had not lost yet to make day two. You could select any of those, those decks to play in day two that had not lost. But Alameda, the, uh, I guess FFG pushed back saying that's not allowed in the gem software because apparently Alex was at Albany and did something special for the, uh, gem software to allow that, but it, it would not happen in Alameda. So, so, what, are you, so what, are your, what are your thoughts on order there, Sean? Uh, well, first off, uh, Archon Survival is probably my favorite format also. I would love to see a sealed survival at a Vault Tour, but that's, that might just be me. Um, but I in, in the order, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the order, I think, um, I would always put my strongest deck last. I know some people like putting the first. But for me, if if I put it first or second and I lose early on, you know, game three, game one, game four, I'm stuck with my worst decks going game five, game six. And if I and if I do happen to to lose with my best deck, uh, say I go five and one with it, then I'm stuck with my second best deck or my third best deck on day two, where I would rather have my best deck day two. Yeah. So, what do what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I, I agree. I I like putting my best deck last, and that's because it, if it gives me it gives me a little bit of a buffer to say, you know, if I play and I lose 
you know, if I can get like one or two rounds out of my first deck and then my second deck I know is going to be better than my first deck, that can get me to my other two wins, then I can push back into day two with my best deck. So that way I have, I'm better set up for day two. Uh, one of the things that I learned in Denver was that I had actually played my best deck first or what I thought was uh, my best deck I put last and ended <laughs> ended up not being the case. Uh, or maybe it was just a bad matchup for me, but I ended up playing my my best deck first. And I went 3-0 and to start the day and I lost uh, my round four match in a very close match to uh, Dave Cordero and uh, and then promptly went uh, 0-2 with my other two decks. So it was at that point, I think I realized uh, that I had kind of, if I had put my decks in different order, I may have had a, a different outcome. Uh, so I, I kind of wish I would have done that uh, or at least uh, maybe played them more. Uh, this is all very early on in the game, kind of a learning experience for me, uh, but definitely last for me. I like, I like having, knowing that I have a good deck last. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I've heard some people talk about, you know, best deck first. You can just kind of try to stay up there at the top and, and kind of cruise along and almost, you know, if you just win four, you're in, right? So you kind of guarantee. And if you win five, obviously even better, but, and obviously six and oh, then, you know, in Albany, it was a little different because you get to pick whatever's left. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you guys. You know, I think in Albany, um, although I didn't make day two, I can tell you, like, when I did get to my third deck, I I felt confident. It was almost like a different confident level that I know this deck is good. Now, it may have drawn bad in round six and the other guy drew like amazing. And I and I lost, you know, that that's key for us. We've talked about that before. But I felt like at that point, like I knew this deck was easily good enough to go ahead and win out if that's what I needed to do. It was just a confidence because I knew it was heads and tails, you know, a little bit above the rest of the deck. So I think there's something to be said about playing that one last. Um, what about in terms of meta? Do we do we change anything up? Do, I mean, you know, Triad, we said, you know, there's something to be said about playing decks that are all very similar or maybe even almost bringing a toolbox to where you're confusing people with, with decks that you, they're not quite sure what to ban. You know, what what about in this? Are you trying to bring decks that are alike or separate? Or I, I think you play to, to your strengths in survival versus triad where you're having to incorporate what other people's strengths might be in deck selection. Uh, so, and, and by that, I mean, you know, play decks that are good but also decks that you like to play, prefer to play, that you, again, have had time with, uh, so that you, being that familiarity with your deck, and uh, because you, you don't have a chance to, or as in Triad you do, ban a deck from your opponent. So you have to play against whatever they have. Uh, and so that can be you know, a situation where it just is a bad matchup for you or you draw bad or, you know, many of the things that that can happen, happen, uh, that. So I think there's, there's certain things that you want to look out for, um, like, uh, rush decks, 
um, or combo decks because those seem to be rare and fairly popular within the community. So I think, you know, I'm at least bringing two decks that can handle those types of things. Right. And I mean, definitely, you know, as we talked about during the uh, non-recorded segment, the rush decks are always going to be king or they seem like they're, they're king. Um, so, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be playing something, or at least I'm going to be playing something to try to slow the rush decks down, you know, some amber, amber control decks, you know, whether it's in furnaces or, or some type of shadow stilly deck or, you know, IG deck, you know, something to, to slow your, your opponent down. And, and what would be even better if I had some kind of amber control in every house of the deck I'm playing that, that would be a strong deck to take just to, to prevent, you know, the, the super rush decks out there. Um, and then as you talked about too, with the, the combo E decks, um, for me, I'm going to take a rush deck to kind of, uh, try to limit the uh, combo E decks too. If I, if I have that, but, um, and maybe a deck with that does everything well, but not everything great. Uh, that would probably be my three choices, but I definitely want board control, uh, some type of amber control, preferably in all three houses if possible. Um, I can sacrifice artifact control for that, but I would like to have some type of artifact control, whether it's a poltergeist or, you know, a remote access or something, something to just limit their, their artifacts. Yeah, I think. There's something to be said about Archon Survival that makes it, even though you're bringing, you know, three decks, which sounds like similar to Triad, it's so different as far as what you see during the day. Because during the day, I mean, you're definitely in in Triad, there's definitely, you know, the odds of someone having three decks that are so similar and so great that you can't pick a difference between them is pretty slim, right? There's only probably a few players in the world that have that kind of collection, or possibly at least, you know, instead, like here, it feels much more like Archon because you're obviously only playing a 35 minute round um, instead of playing the, the 90 or 110 minutes or whatever the heck it is in, in Triad. So your focus is very shorter. So I don't think it requires as quite as much, you know, um, uh, I guess brain, you know, you're not you're not as mentally exhausted. Yeah, you, you're not you're not wearing yourself out, right? Like you get this break a little bit more often. Um, so, but it feels much more like Archon, where I think I could come up against anything this round. It's much more random on what you're going to see. Yeah, the power deck, the power levels is still up there because it's still people bringing the best they got. Um, but I feel like you're you're not facing because there's a, there was a people in Denver or not in Denver in Vegas that I played against where all three decks looked almost identical. And that's just after 110 minutes, that's that's actually kind of draining if you play in that long. You know, just basically playing against the same thing over and over again. Um, especially if you go to game three, right? So I think this, you know, it's very much more of a focus. Let's go have fun. Archon, it, it feels much more like Archon Solo, but yet there's a survival. And and I think the, the thing we've got to also mention is, I mean, it, it's a lot more fun when four and two is the cut. Right? Like, I mean... You just feel like there's a better chance. And obviously, mathematically, it's clear. There's a better chance of making day two. So you feel like you're in it longer. 
right? Even and if you I, start off 0-2, at least you know you got a chance, right? Like, you have a chance. Maybe it is my best deck, and who knows what will happen. Yeah, I, I would like all Voltors to be top 32 cut or, or you know, a top cut of yep. something or Agreed. something like that or survival cut, whatever. I mean, if we see Worlds, right? I mean, it's supposed to be top 32 teams make the cut, so why can't we do that at Voltors as well? Yeah, uh, hopefully that that if if Worlds ever happens or the the fact that they've mentioned that it would be a straight top 32 cut, not just for teams, but also for the, the solo part of day two, that, you know, that's precedence going forward because like, uh, and I, I think one of the things that I really like about survival is that you can go forward to and make day two and yep. you can't, you can't do that with any other format right now. Uh, and it just, it it's frustrating uh, to to be like, oh, I I either have to be perfect or darn near perfect to make day two, and I don't know uh, personally of any other games that for those types of level of tournament don't have a strict top thirty two or sixteen or whatever it is that they decide cut based on attendance. Yep. So so that that makes it yeah it just makes it very frustrating to to have that and. Uh, it was like, I can't remember how many people made day two at Denver, but it was like in the forties, right. And they had the, or fifties and they had to pare down to 32. So they had like, you know, the extra round. But I mean, if you just go, you know, top 32 cut for all of these other formats, it's, I think it, I think it makes the competitive part of Keyforge a little bit better and vault tours just a little bit better. Well, it might, it might sway more people to go also just if they have a higher chance to make the second day to make it worthwhile. They're spending money to attend these events. You know, why not have a better chance to keep playing? Oh, for sure. I mean, like in Collinsville, I mean, eight people made the cut. Yeah. Eight because the attendance was so low, you know, but then there was a lot of reasons behind that. We're not, we're not picking on the attendance number or anything or, or making any grand statements there, but you know, but eight, like, I mean, even from traveling from four hours away, that's not a whole lot of fun spending a night and everything, knowing that you have to go, you have to go five and one, and there's only going to be eight of you, um, you know, eight people that make the cut. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but that was, you know, like you said, the uh, short notice kind of thing to, that was the least attended vault tour also. Yeah. Okay, um, we will be back with the final segment. And this time, we'll record it. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. It's a final segment of the night. Probably not going to have a whole lot to talk about during this segment. In fact, we've spent the last few minutes trying to discuss what to talk about. Um, Because normally we talk about, obviously, you know, big, big events coming up that the team's going to be at or, you know, Prime or store championships, those kind of things. And obviously, everybody knows everything's done till June 1st at least. I think it's going to be longer than that. I, I think most people would agree Origins is a dream at this point. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before that gets called. Um, and so really, the next major tournament in the U.S. may be Gen Con. Um, so uh, who knows? What do you guys think about that? I think I'm crossing mm-hmm. my fingers at this point <laughs> that Gen Con happens. Gen Con happens. I hope so. Yeah, right. I mean, 
it's uh it it at this point does seem kind of like a pipe dream that i mean even gen con which is end of july beginning of august might happen um which is super uh disappointing super sad i don't i don't know i, I mean it's we're living in uncertain times of you know everything else that's going around going on around us that i, I just don't know it's crazy um but we do want to you know make an acknowledgement here um you know i've I've talked to Grant a little bit. Um, you know, they've they formed a new team. I believe it's called Knowledge is Power. Um, they're going to focus, you know, more on the online stuff. Him and Eric, Jason, and I, I think it's Jared is the other name. I can't remember. Um, um, sorry, guys, uh, if you're listening. Um, you know, I can't remember everybody's name all the time, I guess. Um, I guess I could pull something up, but it's we're, we're right into it now. So, um, they have created a new site uh, to kind of help out a little bit. I think they're going to make it more uh, with the ability to to focus on being able to hold tournaments. Um, it is, we, we'll go ahead and shout it out. It's KIP, in other words, standing for knowledge is power, but KIPtournaments.com. Um, you know, Justice Blinded or Eric is on there. Grant's kind of powering it behind the scenes, I think, with some help of some other people. Um, getting it up and running. It's, you know, obviously they're taking TCO and, and kind of doing a, um, an overlay of uh, kind of their own upgrades to it. Um, Adaptive works on there perfectly. I've played multiple times this week. There's a leaderboard with chains. So you can play chain uh, bound as well. Um, I think they're running a tournament this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, from, from my own thoughts, uh, I'll give them and then you guys jump in. You know, I, I'm I'm not 100%. I think I might have mentioned on the podcast before, I'm not super thrilled with playing competitive keyboards online because uh, I just don't think it runs the same as regular keyforge with being able to look at deck lists. Um, so, you know, I think that kind of ruins the fun of competitive for me when people just know exactly what's left in my deck at all times. And I, I just think it runs different enough that I'll go play something else online. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think it's just more fun for me. You know, I mean, and that... that I do not want to hold it back. Otherwise, if I thought it was the worst thing in the world or we did as a team, we wouldn't even be talking about it. But I do want to acknowledge they're trying to do some things here that I think is a step in the right direction. Um, and, and it could be a lot of fun. And people go check it out. What, do you, what are your guys' thoughts here? So for for me, I I think it's a good thing, you know, especially during this downtime while people aren't available to go to their local game store and play some Keyforge when you can just get online and play it, whether it's through Kip Tournament or through the Crucible. But I I just signed up for Kip Tournaments. I, I did sign up for the Sunday tournament, but I'm unable to play in it because I have to go to my son's college and clear out his room and pick all, all the stuff up during that day. So I, I'm unable to. But uh, competitively, I would not spend money to play on an online tournament, but I would do it for free and casually. And if they want to offer price support, so be it. I don't expect to win anything, but I'm there to get my Keyforge fix in if, if that's what they're doing. But Yeah. And I, I agree with Neil on the competitive part. I don't think it's something that I would uh, participate in uh, just probably due to my own frustrations of, not knowing what is going on on the other side of the computer and, you know, the paranoia maybe of 
of assuming that somebody is, you know, got my deck on one screen and they're playing on the other screen. And I've just had experiences on TCO where, you know, I've had people uh, while playing against them uh, basically tell me that I couldn't win the game and they know that I couldn't win the game because of what I had in my hand uh, based on what was in my on my field and in my discard and and them looking at my deck. So it's I don't think I would ever uh, jump into the the competitive part, of it, but I know that there's a, a desire for it and I'm and there's obviously a need for it because uh, they're they're doing or there's enough support for it because they're they're putting this stuff together. It's just it's not something for me. I, I prefer the in-person um, like you said that Neil too. So uh, but uh, I think taking TCO and making it a little bit better is a good thing uh, for especially for people that uh, really like it. And I think right now it's good because, as Sean pointed out, there's a whole lot for a whole lot of places for us to go or things to do. And most of us are on lockdown. So, uh, you know, to, to get your key forge fix in this, this works really well. Let's see. We got an uh, email. You can email us at thekeychargers at gmail.com. How else can we be reached, gentlemen? can uh, listen to our podcast. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. And there's probably like three other ones that I uh, ended up putting a search in for Keyforge uh, or Key, uh, Key Chargers. And I don't remember what I was looking up. And there was like other uh, podcasts that I even sites that I haven't heard of. So there's probably more out there. You can find us on Twitter also at the key chargers. That is at the underscore key chargers. Awesome. And we appreciate everybody for listening. And um, as always, if you guys uh, get a chance and your need for some uh, custom tokens, orbits.com would be the place to go find them. So go take a look at orbits. See everybody next time. Bye. See you guys. Bloopers. Okay, I swear I just hit start recording, so damn it. Okay, we're going to talk about this. I think it should be fairly short. That's uh, what she said. I know. <laughs> Dude, you know how many times I wanted to say something? You kept saying <laughs> the decks and everything. I, Dude, I was holding back. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you turned up the sound, you'll be able to hear me like snickering. <laughs> I, I was, was putting my hand up my mouth. It was when Justin was talking. Um, he dude, talking I was about, doing the same thing with Justin. Justin I had to like turn my head. <laughs> I kept putting my hand over my mouth. I was like, oh my God, like stop it. I want to say it so bad. Sometimes I just do it to bait you. <laughs> to what? To master what? Him? To what? Yeah, just bait B-A-I-T, <laughs> not B-A-T-E. <laughs>